Tonight, God's Word comes to us once again from the book of Psalms. Tonight, from Psalm 13. Psalm 13, we'll be reading the six verses of this chapter. Psalm 13, beginning at verse 1. What we hear now is God's Word. How long, O Lord, will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? How long must I take counsel in my soul and have sorrow in my heart all the day? How long shall my enemy be exalted over me? Consider and answer me, O Lord my God. Light up my eyes, lest I sleep the sleep of death. Lest my enemies say, I have prevailed over him. Lest my foes rejoice because I am shaken. But I have trusted in your steadfast love. My heart shall rejoice in your salvation. I will sing to the Lord because he has dealt bountifully with me. Here we in the reading of God's holy word. We continue tonight our study of the book of Psalms and the various types of Psalms in the Psalter. Uh, we looked last time at a hymn of praise and noticed the structure. There was a call to praise, either to oneself or to others. There were the reasons for praise. We praise God for who He is and for what He has done. And then a final call to praise once again. Uh, tonight we're moving to a different type of Psalm. Tonight a Psalm of Lament or what Brueggemann would call a psalm of disorientation. Remember, he talked about the three phases of life. There is orientation when things are going well. There is disorientation when trouble comes. And there is reorientation when God hears our cries. Tonight we look at a lament. And I don't know if we think about the laments too much, or perhaps turn to them too often in Scripture, but the laments, this type of psalm, it is the largest single type of psalm in the Psalter. There are more laments than any other type of psalm. In a book that is entitled, Tehillim Praises, the most common type of psalm is the lament. I think that's instructive for us. What is it we expect our lives to be like? Do we expect that life will always be easy for us? Can I come up tonight and preach the health and wealth gospel? Just believe in God and everything will be fine? Well, the Psalter belies that. The Psalter, in the laments, gives us the words to speak when things are not going well. When we face trouble and trial in life. There are uh, two basic types of laments. There are communal laments, where the community laments together. We just sang one of those in Psalm 80. And there are individual laments, when the individual calls out to God. And we have one of those before us tonight in Psalm 13, an individual lament. The psalm of lament, like the hymn, has a very simple structure, uh, really just two parts to it, two basic parts. There is the plea, asking God to work, and there is the praise, giving God praise for when He does work. 
And, and in, the, in the lament, we see a movement from plea to praise. The psalmist begins calling out to God in, in, in anxiety and ends giving God praise for who He is. And we see that structure not only in the laments as individual psalms, but we see that structure in the book of Psalms as a whole. Remember I gave you that outline, there's the five books in the Psalter? It's in the first three books, one, two, and three, we find most of the laments. It's in books four and five, we find most of the praises. There's a movement. The Psalms are, are purposely placed within the Psalter, a movement from plea to praise. When talking about the structure of, of the lament, we can break it up just a little bit more. In the plea, we actually have four different parts of the plea. There is the address, to whom do we call out, and there is the complaint. Who are we complaining against? Sometimes the psalmist complains against God, what he is doing. Sometimes he complains against his self. Oh, my soul, why are you downcast? At times he complains against the enemy. There's the, ad, the, the address and the complaint. Then in the plea, we have the petition, what we want God to do, and the motivation, why it is that God should do it. So that, that first big uh, part, the plea, has address, complaint, petition, and motivation. The second big piece of the lament, the praise, has the assurance that God will hear us and the vow to praise God because He does. And that's reflected in our outline tonight. Now again, as I picked up one of the uh, liturgies on the way into church, uh, they have the morning outline, so if you happen to have one of those, uh, the outline for this evening, uh, point number one, the address and complaint, Point number two, the petition and motivation. And point number three, the assurance and praise. From plea to praise. The purpose of the laments is to give a voice to our prayers in times of disorientation. When we are facing trouble, when we are facing trial, when we say, I don't even know how to pray. I, I, I can't form my prayers to God. We turn to the Psalter. To the laments, they give a voice to our praise. First of all, the address and the complaint. Verse 1, how long, O Lord, will you forget me forever? The psalmist begins by calling out to God. It's a, it's a tacit acknowledgement that even though things are going badly right now, he recognizes God is the one who is still in control. He does not turn away from God, but he calls out to God. And that's helpful for us as well. At times when we are going through difficulties, it can be easy, to, easy for us to say, look, it feels like God has turned my, his back on me. I will turn my back on him. And rather than calling out to him, we are silent. We don't take the laments on our lips. And perhaps, perhaps we stay away from the church of God. We'll be instructed and encouraged because we say, I'm, I'm just so depressed I can't even go to church. This is where we should go. Our address, even in lament, must be to God. How long, O oh Lord, 
How long? We call out to him. He is the one to whom we we, we flee. The address to God, and then the complaint. And in this particular psalm, we have a complaint against all three, against God, against self, and against enemy. First, the complaint against God. Oh, how, how long, O Lord, will you forget me forever? The psalmist feeling as if God has forgotten him. And he says, how long will you hide your face from me? That language of God hiding his face is very typical in the laments. It feels as if God has forgotten us. It feels as if he is no longer looking down upon us. To have God hide his face is a picture of struggle, a picture of hardship. And we do see that elsewhere in the Psalter. Make a note to yourself later to read from Psalm 104. Now, this is not a lament, but it includes that same type of language of lament. Psalm 104, verse 27, about the creatures, all these look to you to give them their food in due season. When you give it to them, they gather it up. When you open your hand, they are filled with good things. When you hide your face, they are dismayed. When you take away their breath, they die and return to the dust. For God to hide his face is a picture of difficulty, of trial, even of death. We find that same language in Psalm 27, in Psalm 44, in Psalm 69, in Psalm 102. This picture of God turning his face away. And we find ourselves in anguish, in difficulty, even struggling with the cords of death. The psalmist complains against God. How long, O Lord, will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? He complains against himself. Verse 2. How long... Must I take counsel in my soul and have sorrow in my heart all the day? He's saying, look, God, it seems like you have forgotten me. So it must be up to me to fix the problem. But I can't do it. As I take counsel in myself, I don't know where to turn. How long must I take counsel in my own soul and have sorrow in my heart all the days? I can't find the answer, O God. He complains against himself. I'm not able to get myself out of the problem. I can't solve it myself. He complains against God. He complains against himself. He complains against the enemy. The end of verse 2. How long will my enemy be exalted over me? It seems as if the enemy is winning. It seems as if the enemy is triumphing. And yet, he knows he can call out to God. In so many of the uh, laments, the enemy is not specified. Now, this is a psalm of David, according to the, the title here. It's a psalm of David. But we don't know particularly when David wrote this psalm or what trial he was facing that caused him to write these words, How long, O Lord, will you forget me? How long will my enemy be exalted over me? And I would suggest the reason we don't have more specificity with regard to the enemy is because the Psalms are meant to resonate with our lives. If David was very, very particular, this is exactly what's going on, and this is how God helped me, we would say, well, that's fine for you, David, but what about my problem? What about my enemies that are coming against me? 
David is not specific. The Psalms resonate with our lives, with the enemies, whatever they might be, that come against us. Using the laments gives a voice to our prayers when trials and difficulties come. Addressed to God and complaining against God, against self, and against the enemy. The psalmist goes on with the petition and the motivation. What does he want God to do? The petition, verse 3. Consider and answer me, O Lord my God. Listen to me. Remember me. Answer me, O God. I'm calling out to you. I pray that you would work mightily and powerfully in my distress. He says, light up my eyes, lest I sleep the sleep of death. Light up my eyes. Give light to me that I might have life once again. His petition, hear me, answer me, remember me, give me life. I feel like I have a living death going on right now. Light my eyes and show me the glory of life once again. The petition, God, hear me. The motivation, light my eyes, lest I sleep the sleep of death. Now, it, it, it can be perhaps argued the psalmist seems somewhat self-serving here. Help me, God, or I'm going to die. But I would suggest there's more going on here than that. He is not simply being self-serving, help me or I'm going to die. But the, the laments are given to us to help us to praise God in times of difficulty. The psalmist knows that if he dies, if he sleeps the sleep of death, he will no longer be able to praise God. And God himself will be robbed of the praise he deserves. The psalmist not being just self-seeking, but Lord, if I die in this, I can't give you the praise I would desire to. We can go back to a psalm like Psalm 6. In Psalm 6, verse 4 and 5, Turn, O Lord, deliver my life. Save me for the sake of your steadfast love. For in death there is no remembrance of you. In Sheol, who will give you praise? If I die, O God, you are robbed of the praise you, are, you, you deserve. Psalm 88. Psalm 88, verse 10. We read there, Do you work wonders for the dead? Do the departed rise up, rise up to praise you? Is your steadfast love declared in the grave or your faithfulness in Abaddon? No, Lord God, if I go down to the grave, I can't give you the praise that you deserve. Psalm 115, the dead praise not the living God. So the psalmist, rather than being self-serving here, is saying, God, I, you will not receive the praise you deserve if I sleep the sleep of death. Don't, don't, don't close my eyes or you are robbed of the praise you deserve. That's his motivation, wanting to give praise to God. Beyond that, he says, verse 4, consider me, answer me, lest my enemies say, I have prevailed over him, lest my foes rejoice because I am shaken. Don't let the enemies rejoice over me, again, not self-serving, but for your sake, O God. I am your child. 
I am your servant, and if they see me going down to the pit, they will rejoice because you couldn't save me. We think of, uh, of when Israel came out of captivity and how they would sin against God by, by making an idol, and, and God was about to destroy them. And in, uh, in Exodus 32, we read this, But Moses implored the Lord his God and said, O Lord, why does your wrath burn hot against your people whom you've brought out of the land of Egypt with great power and with a mighty hand? Why should the Egyptians say, with evil intent did he bring them out to kill them in the mountains and to consume them from the face of the earth? Turn from your burning anger and relent from this disaster against your people. Moses prays for God's sake that he would not destroy the people, lest God's name be harmed. The psalmist says, consider me, answer me, light up my eyes, lest the enemy say, I've prevailed over him, lest my foes rejoice because I am shaken. God's honor is at stake. And we have to remember that when we go through times of difficulty, when our neighbors, when our co-workers, who know that we are believers, see us going through hard times, how do we react? Because people will look at us and they will say, how, how big is your God? How powerful is your God? Even now, is He able to save you from this? And so for the sake of God's name, we, we take the laments on our lips. We take the Word of God in our own prayers. We might not dishonor God, but even in trial and in tragedy, honor Him. What does our, our life, what do our words say about the God to whom we call? How long, O Lord, will you forget me forever? This is why we learn the laments. How to call out in times of difficulty. We need not sit back stoically and simply say, well, it's God's will, whatever's going to happen is going to happen. The psalmist never does that. David is no stoic. He is passionate with God. How long, O oh Lord, will you forget me forever? How long must I wrestle? So we don't sit back stoically. We don't say, it's God's will, whatever happens. But we plead using the words God has given to us. He has given us the Psalter to give voice to our prayers in times of joy, the hymns of praise, and in times of trial, the songs of lament. We go on in this psalm to, from the plea, those first sections from the plea, to the praise. The praise beginning with assurance of being heard, verse 5. But, the psalmist says, but I have trusted in your steadfast love. My heart shall rejoice in your salvation. The psalmist began with a tacit acknowledgement, God is still in control, now a blatant acknowledgement, but I have trusted in your steadfast love. My heart shall rejoice in your salvation. God, you are still in control. In spite of how it feels, in spite of what I see around me, you are still the God who is trustworthy. You are still the God who is sitting on the throne. You are still the God who is working His perfect purposes out, even if it is hard for me right now. And so I will rejoice. I will rejoice 
in your salvation, which you have given to me. A, 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 an assurance, a confession of assurance. God, I know you are still there. In spite of what I feel, in spite of what I see, you are still watching over and caring for me. That, that assurance leads to a vow to praise in the future. Verse 6, I will sing to the Lord because he has dealt bountifully with me. I will sing. I'm not singing right now. God doesn't call us to sing in the times of sorrow. He gives us the laments to pray. But God, when you bring me through this, I will sing once again. A confession of assurance, a vow to bring praise to God when in His time He sees fit to act. I will sing praises to you once again. Verse 5 looks to the past. I have trusted in your steadfast love. Verse 6 looks to the future. I will sing to the Lord. But then notice how he concludes. Because he has dealt bountifully with me. The, the particular construction here, uh, he's not looking to the past again. Because I can remember back when he's dealt bountifully. What he is saying here is I will sing to the Lord. And I am so sure that he will hear me. I can describe the answer as if it has already taken place. Perhaps a better uh, 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 translation. I will sing to the Lord, for he will have dealt bountifully with me. For those of you who like Greek, a future passive. A future passive construction, perfect construction, future perfect construction. I will sing because he will have dealt bountifully with me. I'm so sure God's going to act. I can speak as if it has already happened. But notice, in reality, nothing has changed yet. The psalmist is still in the midst of the trial. This is one psalm. There's not a break in time between verse 4 and verse 5. Nothing has changed yet. He's still in the trial. He's still in the lament. But, but even the process of lamenting moves him from plea to praise. He's not out of the trouble but simply the process of, of calling out to God, the process of laying our complaint before Him, the process of, of being assured once again from God's Word leads Him to praise even in the midst of trial and tragedy. It gives voice even before He is helped. If you're going through trial, if you're going through difficulty, it may not change before tomorrow. But we can take the psalm on our lips and the process of lamenting, simply the process of going through this prayer, reminds us, assures us, God is in control and even though things have not changed, we can come from plea to praise. In our trials, in our difficulties, the laments give us a voice to our prayers. They are important for us to know. And of course, 
they were important for the Son of God. Christ himself takes laments on his own lips. From Psalm 22, at verse 18, the psalmist says, they divide my garments among them and for my clothing they cast lots. That's exactly what happened to Christ. Psalm 22, verse 15, my strength is dried up like a potsherd and my tongue clings, uh, sticks to my jaws. Christ cries out, I thirst. And he took the words of Psalm 22, this lament, on his own tongue. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why are you so far from saving me from the words of my groaning? My God, I cry by day, but you do not answer. And by night, but I find no rest. Christ himself lamented. Lamented on the cross. Because he knew the movement from plea to praise. We know the beginning of Psalm 22. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? But the psalm goes on. And in verse 3, yet... The psalmist says, yet you are holy, enthroned on the praises of Israel. In you our fathers trusted. They trusted you, delivered them. To you they cried and were rescued. In you they trusted and were not put to shame. Christ knew the laments. Even as he cried out, why have you forsaken me? He knew what came next. You are still enthroned. You are still the God who can be trusted. You are still the God who will rescue me even from death. Which is why Christ could conclude his life on earth with the words, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. Christ himself lamented on the cross. The enemies coming against him, Satan himself. And he would take the lament on his own lips. He lamented. He lamented as he bore the sins of his people. He lamented that we might never have to have that final lament, God, why have you forsaken me? Christ was the one who stood in our place. The burdens, the sins poured upon him. He lamented that we might have the joy. We might have the hymn of praise. He was rescued from the deepest darkness, as are we from the pit of lament of our sin, a sin which weighs us down, a sin which binds us, freed, freed because our Christ lamented in our place. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me that we might never be forsaken by God eternally? That's the, that's the beauty of what Christ did for us, taking all of our sins, lamenting on our behalf that we might sing for joy. He calls out again tonight, if you are still wallowing in the depths of your sin, if that enemy is like a burden too heavy to bear, then call out to him tonight. Call out and know the assurance of sins forgiven, a God who is faithful to do that which he has promised, and move from plea, from distress, from lament, to praise to the God who hears the prayers of his people. The laments are important for us. They give, they give voice to our prayer in times of difficulty. They give voice to you. I don't know exactly what struggles you may be going through tonight. But when struggling, we don't turn away from God. We turn to God. 
We address our complaint to Him. We, we are motivated by His glory, His honor, and we are, we are assured by His Word that He will continue to watch over and bless and take us through even those times of trial. How we thank God for the prayers of lament. Let us join together in prayer. Lord God, You are so gracious to us. And so much of our life seems to be lived in orientation when things are going well. When we are sitting under Your smiling providence. And how easy it is for us, oh God, when things don't go well, we tend to forget You. But You have given us the Psalms. You've given us the laments to give a voice to our prayers. Lord God, if we are tonight going through trials, going through tragedies, going through difficulties, perhaps known to no one else except for You, then hear our cry for mercy. We do say, how long, O Lord? Will you forget us forever? Will you hide your face from us? How long must we take counsel in our own souls, trying to solve the problem ourselves? Consider us, answer us, O Lord. Give light to our eyes, for we trust in your steadfast love. And our hearts rejoice in your salvation. Hear our plea and bring us to praise. We ask in Jesus' name, amen.